you Malibu middle-class Barbie piece of shit. I'm trying to work here. Work? You ever work? Yeah, I'll bet you have. Scooping ice cream to your shit-heeled friends on summer break. Well, I ain't talking about no goddamn white socks with Mickey Mouse on one side and Donald Duck on the other. I ain't reading no funny books, Mama. Our bodies come and go, but this blood is forever. And welcome to our bonus episode of Exploited. I'm Alexis Jowski. I'm Kevin Daly. I'm William Wright. Yeah, I got it right that time. <laughs> hey. And in this bonus episode that you have paid 99 cents a month for, thank you so very much. We're talking about House of a Thousand Corpses from, oh, 2000 something or other, 2003, directed by Rob Zombie. Howdy, folks. You like blood, violence, freaks of nature? On a stormy Halloween night, four young people set out across the back roads of America. What's that? It's a hitchhiker. What, should we stop? We can't leave right here in the rain. In search of a mysterious figure known only as... Dr. Satan. You know anything about the legend of Dr. Satan? Yeah, I can show you. Dr. Satan! Ah, Dr. Satan! What they uncovered... You ain't seen nothing yet is the most horrifying and shocking tale of carnage ever seen. Well, I bet you'd stick your head to fire if I told you you could see hell. You seen this girl? Yeah, they want to play Nancy Drew with this local legend that people call Dr. Satan. Stupid kids probably got themselves lost. Let's get out of this nut house. The boogeyman is real. And you found him. From director Rob Zombie <laughs> comes a journey into hell. This can't be real, this can't be real, this can't be real. <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses. Hope you like what you see! Everybody's favorite subject. What, Rob Zombie? Every time you bring it up on anywhere, people have opinions. <laughs> I realized on this viewing that my opinion changed, because I loved this movie when I first saw it on DVD, and I don't have that love now. See, I have the other way around. I didn't like it that much when I first saw it, and I enjoyed this immensely this time. But you also love the trippy shit, though. <laughs> That's true. Yes. You are, you are correct. And the reason why I made sure I was on this episode, I am a Rob Zombie super fan. No shame. I don't care what anybody says. And I love this movie the first time I saw it, and I still love it. So the movie opens with a... Uh, well, it starts... Boys and girls? No, it's right before that. It's like you're watching Dr. Wolfenstein's Creature Feature Show. And you can see Rob in the background. Yeah, and then it plays... The Captain Spaulding commercial. I love me some Sid Haig. Howdy, folks. Like blood, violence, freaks of nature? Well, then come on down to Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Mad Men. <laughs> yeah, see the alligator boy. Ride my famous murder ride. Most of all, don't forget to take home some of my tasty fried chicken. Ha-ha! <laughs> It just tastes so damn good. It's Sid Haig, and he's most well-known for this role, sadly. <laughs> because uh, he's, he's great at this. He's great at this role. Though. He's great awesome. at this role. I just, I love him in so many of his other earlier movies in the 70s. I mean, he's good in everything, he said. He had he's good some... in Yeah, he is, but he was never really allowed to play, like, a character this awesome yeah Until, like rob said hey you want to be in this movie and this is a guy who missed out on the opportunity to play marcellus wallace in pulp fiction this is um this character feels like it's a uh, homage to sid haig characters <laughs> yeah <laughs> a frankenstein's monster of of sid haig characters Sid, Sid Haig with a little bit of Don Rickles and a little bit of like good old redneck humor in there. 
Yeah, because we get the commercial where he's like, come on down to Captain Spaulding's Museum of Madman and Monsters and Madman. Monsters and Madman. <laughs> also yeah. fried chicken. Yeah, you get your fried chicken. And he, he starts clucking. He's like, cluck, 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 cluck. And um, we see the place. It's it's just a gas station tourist trap. Yeah, but it's got so much cool detail. It's got so much clown stuff. And it yeah. got the clown that's just moving and saying weird stuff while the sheriff is, is filling his car. Yeah, it's a quirky, unique place. And Captain Spaulding is in there talking to this guy. He's got a, I believe it's Jane Mansfield. They got a picture of topless Jane Mansfield. He wanted to sell it to this dude, but it's got his name on it. Yeah, it's autographed to him. That shouldn't matter. It's a fucking nude picture of Jane Mansfield that she signed. You know, that would be worth lots of money. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter who it's signed to. Like, if you watch Pawn Stars, of course, the guys Pawn Stars offer him like a, bo- like a bottle cap for it. But, I mean, they do sell those things. I mean, she could have just wrote... To be fair, he's he's also trying to sell it to a guy who thought it was a good idea to shove a Planet of the Apes action figure up his ass. No, he's not. Um, They have a discussion about that guy. Because they talk about this other guy. Yeah. That's the guy, yeah. That's the guy he wanted to sell the... uh, Oh. Yeah, the the other guy. He's like, he's a horny retard. All they want to do is eat and fuck. It's a horribly offensive conversation. But Sinek's facial expressions... While he's telling, while Stucky's telling him about the guy. Like, what? He got a planet of the apes doll up his asshole. And he's been sticking. <laughs> and then we go to this outdoor shot. Because clearly someone's about to go into the, go into the gas station. Yeah, um, that actor, by the way, is Michael J. Pollard. Academy Award nominee for, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. You know? Uh, he was in the... Fr- Lost in space and stuff. Um, and now Rob, I, Zombie, Rob, Rob Zombie knows who he wants. <laughs> we got Chuck at the time. was like, I remember this guy from Bonanza. Is he still around? I want to give him a role. Yeah, he does have a way of finding unique actors for his films. Very similar yeah. to Tarantino in that respect. Back to the Planet of the Apes doll thing. Is it wrong that my first thought when they said that was Rock Me, Dr. Zayas? Yes, especially when Dr. they... Zayas. <laughs> I had that song stuck in my head all day, too. Okay, good. I'm not the only one. Like, when I pause the movie to go get some, I'm just, Dr. Sayus, Dr. Sayus, Dr. Sayus, Dr. Sayus. Okay, I'm I'm not the only one. Good. Dr. Sayus, Dr. Sayus. Dr. Sayus, Dr. Sayus. Dr. Sayus, Dr. Sayus. Oh, Dr. Sayus. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. What's wrong with me? I think you're crazy. Want a second opinion? You're also lazy. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Can I play the piano anymore? Of course you can. Well, I couldn't before. And then we get a slasher POV as these robbers run into the place. And, um... One's got a ski mask and one's got this very cheap monkey mask on. But a little Stucky here, he recognizes them. And he's like... One of them is named Dick Wick. Smell your prank, don't it just make you sick? Stop saying, I hate that song! Put your fucking mask back on! Um, but they kill the robbers and we get credits. And that's... That whole that whole scene would just make an awesome short film because it is well yeah. acted and it's fun it to is. Watch. I love the part where he's holding the gun and he goes one, fuck your mama, two, fuck your grandma, and yeah. then at the end, and most of all, fuck you. So we uh then we get Jerry and Bill. Jerry, I don't know who plays Jerry. I'd have to check real quick, but. Oh, Chris Hardwick. Yep. Yeah. Comedian Chris Hardwick? Yes, Chris Hardwick. Yeah. Duh. Fucking. And then uh, Bill is played by Rain Wilson. Comedian Rain Wilson. Yes. It's at this point, you probably should realize this is a very, very, very black comedy. Yes, very black comedy that takes a lot of inspiration from Texas Chainsaw Massacre and other films. So they, they're like 
get to Captain Spaulding's, and they're like, let's wake up the girls. And our girls are... There we go. Yeah, the girls are... There's Denise, played by Aaron Daniels. Not in a whole lot of stuff. They're not as famous as Rain Wilson and Chris Chris Hardwick. Um, But they go all into Captain Spaulding's to check the place out. And, you know, they, they, they start asking... Uh, Captain Spaulding a bunch of questions, which eventually he's like, these jackass questions. Like, how long you run this place since John Wayne earned his Oscar? Oh, space boy. <laughs> yeah, because they mentioned they're into sci-fi, which immediately puts them all at their uh, all at odds. Because he's like, good old Texas boy into John Wayne versus these city kids into sci-fi. But my note says they're all shitty characters, so there's no side to care about here. Uh, but no, uh, sta- I believe... One of them, one of them who uh, later in the film is actually pretty, is actually okay, but the one who keeps sniping at people, yeah, you're kind of waiting for her to die. Oh, Mary, yeah. Mary's yeah. And Mary. Mary's pretty obnoxious. They learn about the murder ride. Ah, uh, yeah, the murder ride. I love the murder the ride. The murder ride is fun. I would totally go on the murder ride. <laughs> where you see, where you see Almer Fish, Izzy Borden, Ed Gein, so we got... Dean again, and then finally Dr. Satan. Yeah, Dr. Satan's a fictional character. Now they give his backstory. S. Quentin Quayle, you know, was performing experiments on people and murdered all these, and his body was never found. Ooh. And, um, Jerry runs out of there screaming, Dr. Satan! Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Satan! He's like, as Rob Zombie said, he's like he got out of a Dr. Satan rock concert. That's right, exactly. Yeah, because Rob, he's... Rob, are you Doctor Satan? <laughs> and so, um, I liked that scene when I watched it, but now it's just like I already knew it was coming, so I wasn't. It was just like, yeah, Doctor Satan, yeah, yeah. There you go, Chris. Well, Jerry, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Plus, if you've ever been to into a tourist trap or something, or you've been to something like that, if you can see the fun charm in it. Especially love the guy in the grave, the animatronic in the graveyard that's just banging its head against the. Fence going, why? <laughs> why? I, lo- I love this. It's just like a silly carnival attraction. It's... Attention. If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with mesothelioma, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Mesothelioma is a rare cancer linked to asbestos consumption. This happens when consuming the complimentary fried chicken from Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Madman in Ruxville. Texas. Seriously, y'all, that shit is straight up asbestos. Please don't wait. If you or a loved one consumed anything that that mad clown told you was chicken, call today for a free legal consultation and financial information packet. Mesothelioma patients, call now. 1-800-BAD-CHICKEN. That is 1-800-BAD-CHICKEN. Yeah, do they still have these uh, tourist traps anywhere? Oh yeah, they do. There's a ton of them. Uh, it, and there's a bunch of people on YouTube that just go to them. One of my favorites is Jacob the Carpetbagger. He goes huh. to all these ones, and they're and they're just fun to watch. So that's basically what these two idiots are doing. Except yeah, they're the writing internet. a book about this. They're writing a book. That's what people did before YouTube. <laughs> but Denise calls home. She calls her dad. Who's like a retired sheriff in some town. It's Halloween. It's actually the day before Halloween. He says, they're doing the hot trick-or-treating tonight because Halloween's on a school night. And, um, oh God, what is his name? We totally could have done this movie for Halloween. Yeah, we could have. Oh yeah, the actor's uh, Harrison Young, who you may recognize as being old Matt Damon in Saving Private Ryan. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We I want also, a remake of this movie with Matt Damon in this role. <laughs> well, you probably could now. But you also hear on the news about the disappearance of five, of five cheerleaders. You know, we're definitely going to hear more about that later. So, and oh. then Chris Hartwick, Jerry, starts going up to Captain Spaulding and be like, I want to see this tree. I want to see the murder tree. Yeah, and he's like, no, just take your complimentary chicken and go. Which he keeps in a cooler under the catch register so I'm like well that can't be healthy <laughs> complimentary it's complimentary <laughs> complimentary plus let's be honest do you ne- if you eat 
pick him from a gas station, and you don't expect diarrhea. No, you're getting cancer from that chicken. <laughs> Just get the worms from Futurama. It's fine. Don't get mesothelioma. Whoa! Well, howdy, folks! It's your old pal, Captain Spaulding, again. Yes, I'm here to tell you about a brand new attraction. Mary, the monkey girl. Oh, yeah. That's right. This here little honey is half real human, half monkey. I brought all the way from the wilds of Borneo. So y'all come in, make sure you bring little Johnny and Susie with you. She'll scare the holy guacamole out of them. <laughs> and remember, while you're down here, pick up your Captain Spaulding for President T-shirts. Come in all shapes and sizes. Small, medium, large, and jumbo for our big bone friends. <laughs> we all know how you got that way, too, huh? Yes, from eating my delicious fried chicken. Oh, yes. Just keeps getting better all the time. God bless America, and God bless Captain Spaulding. But so they uh they get directions to the the murder tree and they head out and they pick up a hitchhiker which happens to be Sherry Moon before she was Sherry Moon zombie like right before they were still dating and then they got married like the year after or something and it's they're still married it's one of those weird things it's like hey that you look at Rob Zombie go oh yeah that guy would be the most like stable husband ever apparently he is well, well, apparently <laughs> He is, because he's, for one, he still does stuff, and number two, he's not a drug addict. Yeah, he's just he's just a metalhead who likes exploitation film. Yeah, uh, they've been married for 20 years. Yeah, I know. But anyway, so when she starts talking, it flashes to, like, some crappy footage of her talking about killing and everything. So we're like, okay, so she's terrible. There's no twist or suspense here at all now. So we're not yeah. surprised when their tires are shot out by a bear man. <laughs> I like the way this is shot, where it's just kind of like this contrast between personality and action. So, some thing on the news mentions the cheerleaders, and that's when we first get a look at Otis in some God, random Otis. footage, and he's just babbling nonsense, crazy shit to these cheerleaders. Yeah, I don't have you a work. You ever work? Oh, no, he's, he's like, oh, chemtrails and the government putting stuff into mines and... Ah. He's an artist. Is frozen. <laughs> I mean, actually, given what happens later in the movie with some of the body horror stuff, like maybe what he's saying kind of makes sense. Maybe. Maybe he really does view his body as kind of just like a, a flesh suit. <laughs> so we learned that uh, the the bear man is actually one of this family members named Rufus Jr. R.J., who is a tow truck driver, and Baby tells them all, "It's like, oh, just come inside. You know, we're gonna he'll go down and tow your car for you." Uh, my brother Otis is upstairs messing around, which we see means murdering those cheerleaders. He's looking for artistic inspiration. Yeah, and um, as we find out later, yes, we do. And Baby is just shamelessly flirting with these two boys right in front of their girlfriends, and these dumbass guys are taking the bait and flirting back. They're all watching House of Frankenstein, and Karen Black, as Mama Firefly, shows up. Yeah, yeah, uh. And she starts flirting with the guys, too, so she really likes Chris Hardwick. Yeah. Yeah, she starts flirting, and so these girls are just upset that the girlfriends are just, oh, I have them, I never, oh. And then we meet Tiny, who is our Leatherface. <laughs> Such a nice Played boy, by Matthew Bagori. Not as gory. He's big and tall, and he's wearing... A leather no, face the, mask. The guy's name is Matthew McGorry. He, he he for a while had the world record for being the tallest actor, and he was in his most iconic role is that of the giant in Big Fish. Huh? Yeah, he yeah. is deceased because when you are that size, you typically do not live long. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a uh, seven foot six inches tall. That's just uh, a hair bigger than George Eastman. <laughs> <laughs> a little bigger than George's, but George was pretty massive. But yeah, and his name's Tiny. Har har. And then they get Grandpa. Go get Grandpa. And I'm like, oh, we're, yep. are we doing that already? But no, this Grandpa's a lot more spry. Yeah, this Grandpa's actually <laughs> Dennis alive <laughs> doing things. And so they all eat dinner, and he goes, it's show... they gotta wear their masks on because it's COVID. Yeah. <laughs> they all have to wear masks at dinner. It's weird. It's not... It's, it's Texas. They wouldn't have required that. Yeah, well, they're wearing, like, Halloween masks, not COVID masks. Yeah, and Grandpa's like, I just want to eat. Put the fucking masks on. 
And so they eat dinner, and he's like, it's showtime! And we get this big, like, marquee showtime, and then suddenly Grandpa's on a stage as some body vaudeville comedian, and he's just screaming, eat her pussy! Eat your ass, pussy! Although, you skipped ahead a bit, because in the dinner scene, we also get the they meet Otis, who has a dead fetus in a jar. And yeah. we get some of the best lines from the movie, as Jerry starts asking questions about Dr. Satan, and Grandpa goes, What are you, Jimmy Olsen, daily reporter for the Daily Asshole? Cub reporter for the Daily Asshole. And then you got Otis, my favorite line of the movie, where he says says, boy, I bet you'd stick your head in the fire if I told you you could see hell. Every time I go on Twitter, that's the one phrase that comes to my mind for the number of people. Yeah, because Twitter is a, a hellfire right now. People keep going back on Twitter, sticking their f- head into that fire just to witness hell. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to tell them you could see hell. In fact, that is hell. That is hell. And then They will definitely see hell. They bring up the next axe, which is... Sherry Moon, baby, singing I Want to Be Loved by You. Doing a pretty good du- very good lip sync. Yep. I want to be loved by you. <laughs> and here it's filled with a bunch of split screens. I like this cinematography. Well, the the uh, the murder ride scene also had the split screens. Made yep. sense with the murder ride? Because you're looking at two separate things? And the murder ride, but they also do like the split screen. There's like one shot like like when uh, Captain Spaulding says Doctor Satan, it splits into three three images of his head. Yeah, and she's again famously flirting with the guys, which now the girls are ain't taking this shit, and they're calling her a slut and a whore and everything. And then um, and then she pulls out her switchblade. God, that shit's gonna go down. And then RJ comes in like cards ready, cards done. And if it looks like RJ is a professional wrestler, it's because uh, he was, in fact, a professional wrestler. Oh, he was. Yeah, Which yeah. one? Not a not a, like a major one, but he did he did train to be a professional wrestler. So there's. Are you talking about him or the guy who played RJ in Devil's Rejects? Because no, 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 this Maine one. Played. This one. Because right, I know Tyler Maine who played RJ in the sequel. I, yeah, I think they just picked pro wrestlers to play this guy because that's the body type. Yeah. Well, I think the guy who played Ski King, the, the the main robber in the beginning of the movie, was also a cage fighter. So. Well, anybody's a fighter when you put him in a cage. But anyway, so that you want to make that you want to make that a challenge? Not <laughs> no. those people in Green Inferno. Oh yeah, definitely not them. <laughs> just let them kill us. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they uh they book it out of this house. Oh, and uh, the scarecrows pop up off their poles. Their Otis turns out it's Otis and Tiny, and they beat the shit out of this car, drag everybody out, fade to black, and now it's Halloween. And we see RJ dump the car somewhere, and then we get worried. Dad, Denise's dad, slows the pa- uh, pace of the film for a bit as he's calling around, to, you know, get these cops to try and find his kid. You know, so now we get what's going on in this house of a thousand corpses versus the cops trying to track it down. Denise wakes up wearing a dunce cap into some kind of bizarre kid's room. (laughs) (laughs) Which is where we get sock speech. Well, we also get the line, listen, you Malibu middle-class Barbie piece of shit. I'm talking about no goddamn socks with Mickey Mouse on one side, Donald Duck on the other. I know, he is. Apparently was a speech from Rob Zombie's old gym coach. Oh. That makes sense. It's a lot of... I put QAnon shit coming out of Otis's mouth. QAnon... I don't see Otis believing in QAnon because Otis is not a character that would admit he is not the most powerful being in his world. But I put Otis as the idea of a character type but doesn't have any actual substance. Because then uh, the girl keeps asking, is Bill okay? Is Bill okay? And he's like, yeah, Bill is okay. Which were followed by grainy footage of them torturing Bill. Sound cr- with the Commodores playing in the background. Brick House. Yeah, yeah, the Commodores. Yep. She's a brick house. By the way, you ever heard the version Rob Zombie did with Lionel Richie? No. Isn't it at the end of the movie? <laughs> it, it's it's playing a little bit, but it's also on one of his greatest hit CDs. And also, if you if you look for it, there's an episode of David Letterman where he sings the song with Lionel Richie. Huh. Lionel Richie's got all of his 
his guys are all funked out, and Rob's guys look like, you know, Rob Zombie guys, so it's the weirdest mishmash. And so Otis reveals that Bill is now Fish Boy, you know, that he's... Go ahead. Yeah, Otis is quite the flesh crafter. He is. He's made uh, basically a taxidermied merman. It's he made his own Fiji mermaid with glasses on. It's very impressive. And he was very, very kind. He's, he was very happy with Bill. Bill gave him the inspiration he finally did. Yeah, He was so happy. They're very thankful for Bill. It's the only person in the movie he speaks kindly of. Meanwhile, we get the police officers visiting Spalding. And these police officers are assholes. But they just don't want to take any of Spalding shit. Yeah, well, none of their Sid Haig bullshit. <laughs> but one of them is Tom Tolles that we know best from Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. The other is Walton Goggins way before he became his go-to character actor. Now I see him in almost everything. Goggins? Walter Goggins. You know, he, he was in Django Unchained. He was in... Oh, yeah, him. In, in The Hateful Eight. He was the guy who wanted to hang out with Bruce Dern. He, he does that show with Danny McBride where they're school teachers. Yeah, I know who he is. I just didn't know his name was Walton Goggins. I just knew him as that guy. I love the shirt that cops, that, uh, that, not cops, the shirt that, uh, Spalding is wearing when the cops show up. It says something about cops. It says pigs are beautiful and it's got a pig with a, with a cop's hat on it. <laughs> but he's being witty, Sid Haig is, the whole time. He's talking about like, oh, that ain't my kind of girl. Yeah, I like him with a little meat. A little more meat on him. Yeah, and um, these two cops, they just don't want any of this Sid Haig bullshit. They're just like, just get to the fucking point. Did, did, did you draw my map? Where did, where did they go? All right, don't get all true grit on my ass. <laughs> yeah. And so they uh, they leave, and there's just random mindfuckery scene here. It's just like negative footage of people. And it, I wrote down the dialogue here of, I don't know where that skunk ape sleeps. All I know is that he had impure relations with my wife. That's true. He performed lured acts upon me and my person. And I put very... Yeah, show him the picture. And I put very angrily there, what is the point of this? Apparently there was supposed to be a running thing about this character called the Skunk Ape. Which well, is, uh, it's... You know how every state seems to have their own, their own mythic creature? Every state has to have their own version of the Sasquatch. Yeah, Skunk Ape, I know, it's like, it's a version of Sasquatch. It's... There's Sasquatch, Skunk Ape, Woodburger, not Woodburger, Woodburger, Booger, The Geek. There's so many names for freaking, it's like Prince. But what's the point of that scene? I'll I'll talk about when we get to the end end of this. I think that was a leftover thing. I think one of the family members was supposed to be pretending to be a Skunk Ape. Going around having sex with old housewives? Also, apparently, that actor who played the, not the wife, played the husband, supposedly he's the brother of the guy who played the professor on Gilligan's Island. Oh, wow. But, so, the other girl, which, Mary is her name? She's Girl that we like. She's wearing a kid's dress and clown paint, wakes up in this clown room. Mary's the, the mean one. This one is Denise. This one's Denise, then. Yeah. yeah Denise is the one that is there. <laughs> it turned into a doll. Tiny comes down to feed her some cereal. Agatha Krispies. <laughs> I love that cereal. Agatha Krispies, yes. <laughs> Funny enough, I didn't know who Agatha Christie was when I first saw this movie. So I was thought I didn't get the full reference. <laughs> now I do, and I have a bunch of her books that I need to read. And he's wearing a cheap ass Halloween costume. It's literally I mean, it's a it's a great Halloween costume, really. <laughs> Yeah, it's lazy. (laughs) Well, well, when you're that, as a big guy myself, options are very limited when it comes to Halloween costumes, so you kind of have to take what you can get. That's true. It's like you're either going to, a guy like Tiny is either going to wear cheap-ass Halloween costume or just forever go his Homer Simpson in a moo-moo. I mean, you could just take the mask off and just wear whatever, and people will think he's in costume. True. I bet he's shy because we don't astound, we don't talk about it. we missed the part where <laughs> oh, yeah, we they explained that Tiny looks like is a burn victim because he sleeps in the basement and they're dead and and his father thought went crazy and thought it'd be a good idea to set him on fire and cover him with gasoline. I think he wanted to burn the whole house down. It was like possessed by evil spirits or some shit. 
It is. It's possessed by this fucking family. Which might be possessed by evil spirits. Yeah. Denise is like, let me go. Let me go. And Tiny's like, sure. There you go. But Otis. Yeah. Otis is there right away. You're just like, what the fuck are you doing, Tiny? Throws this girl in a cage and is like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you, Tiny. Tiny just got Grab her. Tiny just kind of shrugs. It's like, yeah, Otis isn't going to mess with him. No one's going to mess with Tiny. Tiny will just do whatever the fuck he wants. Meanwhile, Baby is running around in a cheerleading costume from one of the cheerleaders. Um, the cops find the, the kid's car out in the desert, and they find a body in the trunk of... I don't know if it's one of the cheerleaders, because she's a thick girl. Oh, back in the 70s, you had to have some muscle on you to be a cheerleader. Be, yeah, you, yeah, the bottom, seen- bottom of the pyramid definitely had to have... Yeah, I mean, if you ever watch the the original the video for for the song Mickey, the the women in are cheerleaders and they are not sticks. Well, they're also in their thirties. But still, you uh, got to be able to lift up another person in the air. So, but uh, this... well, thank you for getting Mickey stuck in my head. <laughs> hey, to be fair, Tony Basil is awesome. What movie did we watch that had the Tony Basil, the Mickey and, and Ty Megalodon? Which oh, was the, the Meg. Yeah. Yeah, the Meg. Uh, that but anyway, so uh, we go back to the family. They're watching an episode of The Monsters. Which is, that—that that is the episode that Rob Zombie named his most famous song after. The Dracula. Really? That episode's called Dracula? Yeah, because they're in a drag race. and. Oh, and it's a play on Dracula. I thought that was some word that Rob Zombie made up. No, oh, it's a Monsters reference. Um, it's that, really, that's his next movie. Yeah, well, it's already out from what I hear. Oh, is it? Uh, and uh, and as the super fan, I can tell you, screw the haters, enjoy the movie. Movie, it was fun. Uh, I might give it a shot. I I never really liked the monsters in the first place. Here's the thing: he doesn't. The thing about it is that you have to understand that he very much wanted it to be humor of show. So it looks like, honestly, what it looked like to me was, was like, remember when they used to do Halloween movies on Fox Family? Yeah. Imagine a Munsters version of that. It just looked, it's it's fun and it looks really cool. Maybe you should do a whole episode and I'll come back and explain it to you. Maybe. It does seem like something we could see, (laughs) something we could do. So we get this random dude with the shotgun screaming in front of all these signs, and he's like, my name is Louis Dover, and I know this man, I know the truth. And uh, no rhyme or reason, this, this, it's just a scene that exists. I love, there was a I scene earlier when they, there was a scene earlier where they were talk, this guy was driving through talking about God. Oh. Yeah. You want God to touch you. Throwback to that. So the cops are arriving at the house, and it's all in, like, negative. Look, these are these scenes in between are basically just the turtle chapters from what the fuck was that? Grapes of Wrath. Yeah, they're the. the... And, and sorry, Jim, if you hear this, I don't care. Those turtle scenes are bullshit. My 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 brother-in-law Jim is an English teacher. Oh, I it's like the uh, the whale biology ch- chunks of Moby Dick. <laughs> but yeah, so the cops arrive. They start talking to one goes in to talk to the mom while the. Denise's dad and the younger cop scout around the property, and they open this shed, and it's suddenly slow motion for the longest time, actually, as we see the, this horror of all the dead cheerleaders, and it's playing this song that's I Remember You. Slim, Slim Whitman. Well, I'm glad you know. I didn't know it, but yeah, it... Um, well, I have the soundtrack. Oh, well, that would explain why you know that. Um... But no, I actually really like this whole sequence for this whole song. Yeah, yeah it's great. The actor that plays the dad has the best face. Like, that's the face you would make if you opened a door and there were a bunch of sliced up cheerleaders in a barn. Otis, like, agree- Otis agrees with you. Yeah. Otis agrees with you. Otis yeah, agrees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, see, <laughs> really well done. I like that sequence. Yeah, how it ends. It's very... The cinematography here is great. Because it does this big old crane pull as he's got that last cop there on his knees forever before he just blows his head, head off. Um, While Mama Firefly is flirting with some holes and he's kind of into it. <laughs> then when she he's on the walkie, she pulls a gun out and shoots him. <laughs> like in the neck? Yeah. 
Um, it's a damn shame that such a great sequence cuts right into Red Hot Pussy Liquors. That is the best name <laughs> for a liquor store ever. It is a clever name, yeah. I don't think you'd ever be able to get away with it, though. No, not in, not in real life, but it's great there. Yeah, it depends where you are. And Baby goes in dressed like a sex worker, and with, she's... With RJ carrying all the... All the, all the liquor. They buy hundreds of dollars worth of liquor, and they flirt with this uh, big fella behind the counter. And Gomer. Gomer Pyle, yes. By the way, I'll, I'll be quick about this. No, it's Goober. Before. It's Goober. Because it's, yeah. it's G-Uber, but they added an extra O. <laughs> that guy, Ronald, in the back put that other O in. But I got a quick story. I used to have a job where I had a guy where my one of my bosses looked and sounded just like that actor. Oh jeez! Oh wow! The way he talked, minus the big hair and the sideburns. And his name was Ronald. The other, the name of the other employee that we don't see. Oh, oh, Ronald in the back, but that other Owen, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But That's he funny. sounded, he looked and sounded just like that dude. So baby says, I like to get fucked up and do fucked up shit. Yeah, I'd like to get fucked up and do some fucked up shit. That's that's a very honest. By the way, one other thing, thing about this scene: it's noted that this is the one movie where Rob Zombie made his own soundtrack, made his own score, and he never did that again because Rob can come up with ideas, but he's not a he does. I don't think he even plays guitar. But the song that's playing in this, actually, no, I'm sorry, I, sorry, I'm wrong. The the song that's called House of a Thousand Corpses plays in the beginning, and the song and the song that plays here is Red is Pussy Liquor. Oh, so <laughs> it's a good song. They uh, in the car sometime, blast it out after <laughs> when you drive by a school bus sometime. By the way, much earlier in the film, they're listening to when they pick up Baby and in, in the Hitchhike, she turns on this song, and I'm they turn it off so fast, I'm like. I'm like, this song sounds awesome. I want to hear the rest of this goddamn song. Then later they play the Ramones. They do play oh, the Ramones all later. I want to do is sniff some blue. Um, and I don't. I think we forgot to mention that this is supposed to take place in the seventies. Yes. Um, That's to be expected because nearly all of Rob Zombie's projects take place in the seventies. So. Some way. They get the liquor, and the whole family's just getting absolutely fucking drunk for Halloween. And for some reason, Grandpa is dressed as Loki. No, I think he's supposed to be a samurai. I thought he was Loki. He's uh, wearing a green spandex, green hood with the horns on it. I think it is Wait, supposed to be a green, like, uh, samurai ar- set of armor. Yeah, which is probably a reference. To, which is probably a reference to something that I am not familiar with. Better they raided the costume costume thing they had. Yeah, and they got some just cheap-ass Loki costume because Loki wasn't really well-known by people yet that didn't read comics. It's... Or Norse mythology. <laughs> Maybe it's the samurai version of the Green Knight. Hey, could be. But they're like, Otis oh, is something special planned, and so they've got the remaining kids. It's like, what, two girls and Jerry? And, and Jerry, and they put them in donkey costumes. No, they're rabbit costumes. Rabbit. Yeah, really, because they look like donkeys, because they have the mane in the back of the head. Oh, they're supposed, they're supposed to be rabbits. Uh, Otis goes off about rabbits so much with them that they have to be rabbit costumes. I mean, there's that whole scene where later with Baby and, and Mary. So Otis is wearing the face of the dead dad. <laughs> and his chest. And his chest. Yeah. And he's just... Yeah. Talking to Denise, he's like, who's your daddy? Give the old man some sugar. The old man some sugar. He kisses oh, he her is. with the dead face. And, I mean, we've, discuss, we've discussed this. Otis is quite the flesh crap. Yes. He, Otis is the epitome of when someone tells a kid, you know, you could accomplish great things if you just applied yourself. Yeah. He applied himself, but just in a horrifying manner. Making art of human bodies, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> So they take the kids outside and get them to run like rabbits, and we get the whole "Run, rabbit, run!" And they and they do the poem. Oh, there's some poem, yeah. Like I was that was that a Beatrix Potter poem or something? Probably. Oh, That's what yeah. I thought it was. Yeah, the the rabbit. No, it sounds a lot like Beatrix Potter, but it's so dark that I don't think it is. I don't think it is. It's just the subject matter made me think of that. Yeah, because some poem about a. 
a rabbit breaking into some lady's garden, and she just two ki- shoes. Shoo shoo, rabbit. And the maiden. But baby kills. Oh, that scene too. Baby kills um Mary in the cemetery. And then they're like, oh, we're going to take you guys to see Dr. Satan. I think the plan had been to put all three of them in there, but Mary ran away. Yeah, could be. <laughs> and and then Baby took her opportunity to uh, get a little bit of payback. Put the two in a coffin. They put Denise and Jerry in the coffin, and they lower it down into, like, an empty mine shaft. And they play this, like... I don't know, recording? It's 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 a slowed-down recording of a poem by Aleister Crowley. Huh. Yeah, I really can't tell. It's something. <laughs> well, I, I can thank Count Jacula for pointing this out when I watched his episode on it, is that it's a slowed-down recording of Aleister Crowley's uh, poem, The Poet. Huh. And you, and you can find that for free. Everywhere, but they're all but they're all recorded on cylinder. So they um, it summons, I guess, mud zombies. That, yeah, mud people. Because mud these people, they break open the coffin. Breathe water. And, yeah, they break open the coffin and kill Jerry. And then we get a long time of Denise exploring these endless catacombs, finding other victims who just live there and don't do anything. Um, he didn't. Technically, they don't kill Jerry. I mean, they do, but technically, they take him somewhere. They make him another mud person or something. <laughs> they, they attempt to, yes. But they, um, yeah, she finds, like, big giant room of, like, this bone shrine. She sees mutated people just watching TV. And they're in the waiting room. Yeah, because there's Dr. Satan performing experiments on people, and he's all, like, mechanical, little, like, steampunky and shit. Yeah, we've got uh, some biomechanical <laughs> body horror at this point. And so she's got a lot of running away from Dr. Satan... And 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 his henchman that looks like looks like a cenobite with a battle axe. Yeah, it's a who bunch. Apparently, of... who apparently is the 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 ex husband of Mrs. Fire. Oh, it, it, it's that that's Tiny's dad. Apparently, that's Tiny's dad. Yeah. Yeah. So so after he tried to kill Tiny, they gave him to Doctor Satan. That would appear to be the take case. Take your skin off and give you a battle axe. Uh, she eventually just crushes him in these this catacombs in this like abandoned mine and crawls up to the surface where she gets a ride from Captain Spaulding. Got a very sweet car. Very sweet car. And um Otis well, he's the captain. He's gotta have a sweet car. True. Otis pops up out of the back seat and that's how it ends. And she gets up in back in the seat. Yeah. She, surgery. I mean she did say he, she wanted to see a doctor. Yeah she she did say I, I need to go to a doctor. So, I mean, Spalding did, in fact, take her to see a doctor. Dr. Satan. Yeah. And maybe she'll survive the uh, the mechanization, the completion of your Magic the Gathering fan. If you're into Phyrexians and, oh, and definitely. that sort of body horror. It definitely is that kind of body horror. Hello. Welcome to the underground medical offices of Dr. Satan. Congratulations. The simple fact that you are desperately wandering these catacombs and listening to me means that you have made a glorious contribution to science. You're here because we wanted the best, and you're it. Nope! <clears throat> Couldn't say it with a straight face. Please, try not to mess up all our bone sculpt. In fact, just don't touch anything at all down here. If you're interested in earning some free vouchers for fried chicken, flag down a test associate. All you gotta do is let me take you apart, put some science stuff in, and then put you back together. We're not banging rocks together here, I know how a human body goes together. So that's brand new vitals, a uh, spit shine on the old ones. I'll even be scooping out tumors. Don't have any tumors? <laughs> Don't worry, if you ate any Captain Spaulding's chicken, you most definitely have tumors. Thank you once again for your contribution to science. I can't believe I'm thanking these people. When my life is through, and the angels ask me. And so that's this movie, House of a Thousand Corpses. We will watch uh, Devil's Reject some point in the future, which it's. Different, but it's a sequel. Yeah, there's I'll a third be, one too. I'll be crawling around around for that one. Yeah, um, three from hell ends yeah, off we the could trilogy. Do those two as a double feature or something. We probably could. Um, uh, but one thing is, well, I haven't seen the third one, but Devil's Rejects. There ain't shit about Doctor Satan in that one. No, nah, Rob had to. Well, he had a deleted scene with Rosario Dawson in it, and but it just didn't make sense with the tone. Well, I think Rosario Dawson playing uh, a Dr. Satan would be really weird. Well, no, she plays a nurse. <laughs> oh, 
And then she plays a sentient blow-up doll in El Superbisto. Huh. So, what did you guys think of this movie? Your your thoughts. Uh, you guys go first. Ke- Kevin? I, lo- I like this movie. So, when I first saw this movie, <clears throat> it was pretty close to when it came out, though I did see it. <clears throat> Excuse me. As a rental. Um, one of my buddy's girlfriends didn't have anybody who wanted to watch the movie, and... I'd be like, fine, fuck it, whatever, I'll watch it, because, I, whatever, I'm like a sophomore in college, I've literally got nothing better to do with my time than just do whatever, so I'm like, yeah, I'm game, you know, I like trying new things, why not, and I watched this movie thinking, <clears throat> and watched it going, it's interesting, but man, is it grim, like, it's a very nihilistic ending, <clears throat> and I watch it again last week, and I go, man, I really like the body horror, the trippy art, and, like, yeah, and I'm like, I, my brain has changed a lot in 20 years. So was mine, because when I first watched this, I loved the movie, because we bought it on DVD from, like, Blockbuster or something that was, uh, it was no longer a new release, so they were selling off all the other extra 800 copies they keep on stock. Yeah. So I bought it from there, and, um, enjoyed the hell out of the movie, watched it quite often, would show it to others, but then 20 years later, I'm like, I'm so not into this movie at all. Like, some point in the last 10 years, you and I swapped places. I like think psychologically. So, probably. <laughs> well, I could say, like, I don't know what you guys think of him as a rock star, but I've been a fan of Rob Zombie since I was probably 14. 14, I was a big fan of his music first, and then I bought Devil's Rejects and House of Thousand Corpses in the same day and watched both, and I love both. And, yeah. and the thing about House of a Thousand Corpses, I will admit, it's kind of a patchwork movie, because, and Rob will admit, like, all the weird scenes, especially the credit sequence... Those were all things he shot later at his house because he shot the movie. Then he wanted to do more stuff, and he had this whole interesting battle with with Universal about it. It's it's a good movie, and I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but it is a fun movie. It is very interesting to me for one for a lot of reasons, but the main one is. I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of movies from the late 90s to the early 2000s that, to me, look like the most boring movies because they all look like episodes of Dawson's Creek. Meanwhile, this movie said, you know what, let's make a horror movie and make it look, give it the colors of a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. I think that's one reason I liked it, because it was so different from other horror at the time. Um, It really was a throwback to the 70s horror. Yeah, and it's... Once you understand that one of the reasons Rob Zombie got to make this movie is because he was he was designing stuff for Universal Horror Nights at the time, and you go, oh, this is basically just going to your local haunt or going to your local or you know going to going to a theme park with a horror theme. It's just fun. It's not the most mind blowing thing because you know it's influenced by Texas Chainsaw, Lucio Fulci movies, and a lot of other things. Yeah, but just, it didn't feel as groundbreaking watching it 20 years later as it did watching it in 2003. Yeah, but I don't need all my movies to be groundbreaking. I just need them to be good. This is not the greatest thing. He definitely, I I personally think he improved, improved give or take, but this movie... Oh, he did. And, and, I love Devil's and, Rejects. Yeah, and while he originally started as a guy who was directing music videos... You know, you ever watch a movie where you can tell somebody, or even just a YouTube video, where you can tell somebody's first enjoying all the little features they have on their editing software? Oh, that's what this movie. Definitely, yes. Yeah, this is what this movie. It feels like we're watch. Not only are we watching a fun movie, we're watching a movie where Rob Zombie is learning all the stuff he would have to do to make later movies later, where he learned. Okay, I don't need to make the score. I, I will get someone else to do that. Oh, this is how you deal with this. Or maybe, okay, now we, we we did this one movie that looks like an album cover for one of my bands, but now now we move to make it look a little more realistic looking. As a teacher, I saw quite a lot of first-time video projects that are just wipe everything, all the wipes. You know, to me, if nothing else, this is a good movie to put in the background when you have a Halloween party. That is. Can you imagine the shit we would make as first-time filmmakers? It'd just be like low-angle crotch shots and fucking J&B scotch in random places. <laughs> nothing but crotches and scotches. 
Scotches and scotches. You guys watch yeah. the DVDs. Did you watch the whole thing where where Captain Spaulding is talking to you while you're going through the DVD menu? Actually, I oh. did have it on DVD. Yeah, I did. Uh, no, we didn't watch that at the time. I don't think. Again, oh, this was 20 years ago, so I don't remember. But um, we had this the DVD on. These were first coming out, and they had to put a ton of features. The DVD and the opening menu just has Captain Spaulding talking to you. He's like trying to wait. Yeah, and it scared the shit out of my sister. I put the DVD on, and then I go to the bathroom, and I come back, and she's in an argument with this fucking clown on TV. She's like, the the menu clown is fighting with me. (laughs) (laughs) Did you watch the special feature of Tiny Fuck the Stump? I don't remember it, but I remember it existed. And, And nothing else. The other thing, too... I would also call this a movie that you need to watch if you want to get into film because not only do you see all the stuff you might want to avoid, but also the experiments you should try. Every Rob Zombie movie, you have to listen to the commentary because not only does he talk about why this, why he did things the certain way he did, but also all the bullshit he had to go through with Universal to get this movie made, only to later have to buy this movie back and then sell it to other places so they can so people can finally see it. Um one thing about the DVD though those menus cuz you you go to like scene selection and Otis walks out and starts reading a poem. Yes. He's like I'm going to read you this poem and then he's just it's just Bill Mosley reading this poem from a book. But the DVD said interactive menus, so this set my expectation of what interactive menus were until I learned quickly that every DVD-less interactive menus has a uh, feature. It's not that the menus talk to you, it's that you press a button and a cursor moves. That's an interactive menu. My my favorite DVD feature still is the Pikey subtitles on the Superbit copy of uh, Snatch. Oh, that's got to be good. <laughs> it literally just subtitles the Pikey scenes. Oh! And my favorite is one they're they're going on a whole like rant, and it just puts three question marks down at the bottom in the subtitles. <laughs> there's that, and also there's the the <coughs> DVD menu for Spinal Tap, where the three people are are commenting on on the menu, and you and the menu like it gets smaller and smaller. <laughs> like, even that doesn't work out for them. So. Um, any last thoughts on House of a Thousand Corpses? It's I like this fun, movie. But I like the trippy visuals. I like the body horror. The Firefly fl- family, even though they're completely batshit insane, are kind of fun. And uh, yeah, I can see why people like this movie. It's definitely rough, uh, like in terms of production, but it's it's cool. I mean, it's a fun movie. But that was our episode on House of a Thousand Corpses. Hope you enjoyed it. Big special thanks to you, William Wright, and Charlie McMullen for recording the advertisements heard in this episode. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, If you're listening to this episode, you're obviously already a subscriber, and we thank you very much for that. So join us next week for Friday the 13th, Part 3. I remember you You're the one who made my dreams come true A few kisses ago I remember you